With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 26 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gillian. With me, as always, we have Jordan, we have James, uh, and we have you. And we have a 2-2 two and two Giants football team that has bounced back here, won two football games in a row. The latest, Sunday in Buffalo, 24-10 over the Bills. Not one that a lot of people thought would happen. They were five and a half or so point underdogs going into the game. Uh, but they pulled it off, a two-touchdown victory, and they look good doing it. We'll start with Jordan here uh, and this episode uh, of this show, 2-2 two and two Giants. What did you think as that was unfolding? A little surprised there by the Giants, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. i got to you know, take this one on the chin here. I definitely picked the Giants to lose. I thought they would lose convincingly. And really what that was based on was that I thought the Giants were going that I thought that the Buffalo Bills playing at home – with a good defensive line, a, an offensive line that had been playing pretty well so far early this year, that that would be an area the Giants would really have problems with. But guess what? They went out there, and the Giants dominated both lines, in my estimation. I mean, they played really, really well on both sides of the ball, uh, really dominated the trenches, and it made all the difference in the game. And then uh, you let Buffalo implode on themselves a little bit, and Eli Manning in total control there, maybe not his – his best game throwing the football, but just looked like he was a step ahead of what the Bills were doing the entire game. I mean, you saw, first of all, the Giants got to the line of scrimmage, especially quick. This was part of the philosophy uh, offensively. And then Eli was able to get up there and try and decipher what the Bills were doing defensively. And Rex Ryan, is with the blitzes, call out the what, what he needed to get done. And uh, you know what? It worked. The Giants... What, one sack that was in the second half, um, he was barely hit. I think that was the only quarterback hit of the game. So, really, that, that, that just shocked me the way this game unfolded. But, hey, it's a positive for the Giants, and it's evidence that they are moving in the right direction. I mean, they have definitely played above expectations so far this year. That's four games that you could easily argue they should have won. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're in a bad division. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have a very tough schedule, and the Giants, on the flip side, have a rather easy upcoming schedule where, you know what, they're probably the favorites in the NFC East right now. They probably are. A lot has changed here in just a couple weeks. James, I think it was a couple weeks ago, after that loss to the Falcons, I had asked you here on, on this show mm-hmm. if we had kind of reached rock bottom of the Giants season, if the two losses to start the year would be the worst it's going to be all season long. And I believe you had said yes. Well, not only was that seemingly rock bottom, but they've 
in two weeks almost climbed out of the hole they dug for themselves. So, James, what were you thinking as that was unfolding up there in Buffalo? I, you know, I, it's the NFL. I mean, it's kind of amazing that, you know, when they lost to the Falcons, I thought this team was on the fast track to irrelevance. And as Tom Coughlin and so many Giants players have said over the past few days, they're relevant now. Um, it, it certainly helps that Dallas is just so beat up by injuries and the Eagles have been such a flop. But, you know, as Jordan said, they dominated both lines of scrimmage. I, I also have to take it on a chin. I did not see this coming. I thought the Bills would thoroughly beat them up. Um, but it was the other way around on Sunday. It was, and a big part of that. And let's talk about the offensive line. I know you guys wrote about it. Uh, we're starting this this episode here talking about in the trenches. Jordan, the offensive line for the Giants, and I know you've been doing um, some videos with Chris Snee, one of the great Giant offensive linemen of all time, looking at this unit, the current unit the Giants have. But this offensive line coming into the year, I think people said it could be better. Then they lost Will Beatty, and it was like, oh, when would they be whole? But they've played pretty well, and you mentioned Sunday only one sack against a Rex Ryan defense in Buffalo. I mean, that might have been the most surprising thing to me. They controlled the line of scrimmage, and it's it's kind of a no-name unit, but they're getting the job done. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know what? You say a no-name unit. They invested a lot in this. You had that's true. three high draft picks, and the guy in Jeff Schwartz, who was their top offensive free agent signing last year. So... It's, they actually invested in this. The question is whether these guys were, you know, any of them were above average players. I mean, and I think we're seeing that Justin Pugh's a quality player. Eric Flowers played his best game. He's a quality player. Weston Richburg at center, way better than Westbrook Richburg at guard last year. Uh, so, you know, Jeff Schwartz, probably his best game this past week. Now, the right tackle spot is the one where I – Look, I didn't think their offensive line, first of all, was anywhere near as bad as people were making it out last year. Uh, sure, they had their struggles running the ball, but they were an average offensive line in the NFL. There's a lot of bad lines. I don't know if you watch football. You look at Alex Smith getting just absolutely pummeled. Uh, so their line actually was decent at pass protection last year. The offense got the ball out of Eli's hands quickly. The pass protection wasn't terrible. So I didn't think they were going to be awful. Right tackle was the one spot. I was very concerned about with Marshall Newhouse. And you know what? He's been serviceable. He has not been – you have not watched a Giants game and said, wow, there's a complete liability. He's ruining everything they're doing on offense. It hasn't been that way at all. And I think that has been the biggest surprise to me in regards to that offensive line. It's been pretty good. And, and the one thing that I noticed watching that game on Sunday was the, 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 the commitment to balance is the way I'll say it. You know, they weren't really running the football overly well. None of their backs really were getting going in the running game. But they didn't become one-dimensional. I think Eli threw it 35 times. They ran it 28 as a team. So more passing than running, but not an egregious amount. They didn't give Rex Ryan a chance to just tee off on Eli Manning. James, how about that? How about the, the balance they tried and, and almost stubbornness, but it, it worked towards the end of the game because they were able to keep that pass rush for the Bills at bay because they had to respect both sides. Yeah, you know, I, I think with the running game, and we the, some of the players sort of talked about this last week, in the NFL I think people look at numbers for, with a running game and, you know, this running, you know, they want a running back to run for 100 yards. They want a team to run for 100 yards. Um, I think it's entirely possible that that's not really the way we should look at the Giants running game. You know, the Giants running game, if they can get, you know, average three and a half yards a carry, 20 carries, 80 yards, something like that, 
that might be enough to set up the passing game. So I think was the running game, I thought in the first half it was really good. It kind of tailed off in the second half against the Bills. But that might be all they need to be successful this season. It might be, yeah. It might just be enough to keep uh, defenses honest and keep them away from Elon Manning and then just allow this team to make a play here or there. And I thought this game, 24-10, was the final. But I thought, Jordan, this game was was won on some big plays. Obviously, the Giants made a couple in the passing game with Eli Manning, Kennard with the interception down the sideline uh, to set them up. I thought this was one of those games where a, a big player or two was going to swing it before it started, and that's kind of the way it works, especially the Kennard interception. Yeah, that was a great play. I mean, uh, first of all, that's not his specialty, pass, uh, you know, pass coverage. Uh, and to make that interception, you didn't even know if he got it at first. Uh, it was it was very impressive, and it was a big play, set up a score. Uh, you know, the Giants really, I mean, they just took advantage of the Bills' mistakes, and that was one of them, the interception, even though that was more just a quality play. I mean, later in the game, they ran pretty much the same play on the other side, and they ended up with a touchdown for Carlos Williams. So uh, a 23-yard reception down the right side, basically a wheel wrap. So... Uh, great big play. You know, what I think is kind of goes unnoticed in this, John Beeson, his presence on the field, in my estimation, really does make a gigantic difference. I know the stats don't show John Beeson going around the field making, you know, 10, 12 tackles. Maybe, you know, he I, what do he have? He had five tackles, uh, none behind the line of scrimmage. And But the fact that he – I think you see a difference. Look, the two games that he's played and the two games he didn't play – the difference with the defense being in the right spots, it's the game behind the game, and I think John Beeson has helped them, and that's made a gigantic, tremendous difference. And that goes along with the big plays, even, even though it's sort of unnoticed. I agree. He does make a difference. He's a leader in there. I think he, I think he calms everything down. And, and you, look at, you, you mentioned the tackle, so I'm looking at the box score as we have this conversation now. And I, I use the term no-name offensive line, and Jordan, you, you were right saying that they did invest, even though maybe they're not some of the biggest offensive line names in the league. Well, I think you could use no-name defense to an extent. They do have the two corners that are big yeah. players in Cromartie and Amukamura, but, I mean, really outside of that. I mean, Casillas, Kerry Wynn, who's a hell of a story, um, you know, Merriweather, who was on the street. Their nickel cornerback, J. Ron Hosley, was in there. J. Uh, Thomas. Reed was in there one type. Brandon Merriweather's at safety. It's amazing. I mean, this defense. Thomas, a linebacker. Jay Bromley, a defensive tackle. How about Nikita Whitlock, which I think we have to spend some time here on this show just talking about what a story this is. But this defense, double team. It's amazing to watch this defense operate, uh, James, because they yes. don't have stars. I mean, they don't. And coming into the year, the three of us said they don't have enough talent on defense, yet they're finding a way to piece things together throughout these games. Yeah, no. Uh, I think that they are no names, but, but they're, they're fast becoming names, it seems. Um, I, I, I've been very pleasantly surprised with how well this defense has played. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. Um, you know, in training camp, it, it sort of felt like it was just a lot of nostalgia. Like, well, you know, Spagnuolo was, Spags was here the first time, we won the Super Bowl, and, you know, e even when the defense had the rough start, it was like, well, you know, that 07 team started 0-2, but... They're actually accomplishing stuff now, and I know Jordan harped on it all training camp long. The defense was so bad last year that if they can just become middle of the pack, which is what I think they pretty much have become, 
Um, you know, they've been kind of gotten a couple of takeaways. That's helped them out. The, the rush defense has been sensational. It's number one in the NFL now after the weekend. Um, you know, if they can just be a middle-of-the-pack defense, they have a chance to be a good football team. They do, and right now they are that. I mean, you look at them defensively. When you well, watch, they're number one in the league in run defense. Right? Not, yeah. I think they're still last in pass defense. Exactly. But, uh, give or take. That puts you right in the middle, right? Right, right in the middle. middle. One and number 32. And they do really stop the run well. I mean, how much of that, Jordan, is because of the kind of the way they're playing and the personnel they're putting out there? You, I mean, it's hard not to notice because so many people were talking, so many people were wondering about the pass rush before this year, a guy like DeMontre Moore. And I think he played 20-something snaps. He was in there towards that last drive chasing around Tyrod Taylor. But Kerry Wynn, who you know probably not close to the kind of pass rush or pure pass rush that DeMontre yeah. Moore is, he's in there you know, 50, 60 snaps. Is this personnel-driven? Are they putting the guys in the field to stop the run first? It's personnel-driven. First of all, if you, let's look at the teams they've played so far, okay? Uh, they opened up with the Dallas Cowboys, a run-heavy team, right? They went and they played the Atlanta Falcons, who, okay, they, they're, they're a little more pass-heavy, uh, even though they've run the ball really well this year. But then they played who? The Washington Redskins, another run-heavy team. The Buffalo Bills, another run-heavy team. So this has allowed the Giants the opportunity to go and put out packages on the field that are concentrated on stopping the run, maybe more than they would against some other teams that they're going to face going forward here. Uh, so the schedule has worked in their favor in that regard, and they do have the personnel to stop the run. They put a huge emphasis on it. Look, George Selvey, not a, you know, not a name that pops out to you, but his strength is as a run defender. Kerry Wynn. Another guy, strength is as a run defender. Jonathan Hankins, strength is as a run defender. Uh, Devon Kennard, strength is as a run defender. It really helps, you know, protect that edge. John Beeson, strength is as a run defender. Landon Collins, strength as a run defender. Brandon Merriweather, strength as a run defender. Look, I just named half the defense, uh, maybe more. So this defense, and, and, and there's a reason why they're 32nd in the league in passing yards allowed, because – the flip side is those guys on the field, all those guys on the field, especially together, makes it hard to cover the underneath stuff. That's not going to be their specialty, yeah. and they're fine with that right now. They're concentrated on stopping the run, not giving up the big play. That's Steve Spagnuolo's plan. That's been the Giants' plan here the first four weeks of the season, and it's worked to, fairly, to, an, to the point where they were in position in all four games, and aside from letting up a couple late-game drives – you have not looked at the defense and said they've been absolutely horrible. They've had five interceptions, two fumble recoveries. That's you know seven turnovers in four games. That's terrific. That's exactly what you want from this defense. They're not going to go out there and straight stop teams, and they're not going to be the Seahawks and force uh, what was it, 18 punts in their last 20 possessions. So they have to create turnovers, which they've done without getting sacks too. I mean, they're at the bottom, near the bottom of the league with five sacks. So. Uh, there's only one team in the league. It happens to be the woeful Miami Dolphins that have fewer sacks. They have one sack, by the way, which is – just think yeah. about that for a second, all right? It's ridiculous. One but sack in four games. You, you wonder why the coach is fired. But, no, the Giants have five sacks, so, that, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty lean. Uh, yet they're still forcing turnovers. You have to be happy with everything the defense has done. And just to add on what Jordan said, you know, you look at their remaining schedule, yes – they're going to have to find a way to get after Drew Brees and Tom Brady. But beyond that, it's a lot of run-heavy teams. You know, you, the, Who knows what the 49ers are doing on Sunday night? 
Eagles are going to run the ball. Cowboys are not going to have Romo back. If you can't beat a rookie quarterback and Jameis Winston and the Bucks, you're in trouble. Redskins, Jets, Dolphins, Panthers, you know, Cam scares you a little bit. Vikings are going to run the ball. So they can keep on doing what they're doing, it appears, if you look at their remaining schedule. The schedule's absolutely working into the Giants' favor right now. I mean, you go ahead and look at it. Go look at the Dallas Cowboys. They have the Seahawks and the Patriots in two of their next three games. Uh, the Giants have what? The Bucks, the Eagles, the Saints, uh, the 49ers. I mean, this is their upcoming schedule. Every year you look at it, there's a couple teams that just are able to completely benefit from the schedule at hand. Uh, you don't have to be a great team to make the playoffs sometimes. You just have to be an above-average team, a good team, that can take care of business against inferior competition. And the Giants, if they're above-average, which they've showed so far that they, they look that way, I mean, they've surprised everybody and played they pretty well, really well, actually, with a chance to win all. They sh probably should have won all four of their games. So, you know, they take care of business here in these upcoming weeks. They're going to be sitting in the driver's seat in the NFC East because that schedule is just sort of worked in their favor. It, it, every, the way everything has unfolded here, uh, the Cowboys had those injuries, the Eagles are struggling greatly, and the Giants are sitting here playing above the expectation level, and now they're playing against a bunch of teams that they should be able to get at least you know, three or four victories out of in these next five, six, seven games. You would think so, and as you went over the schedule there, I was looking at it and um, they really have an opp opportunity here, especially because what happened to the NFC East around them. They started 0-2, uh, but the Cowboys lost Romo and lost Des Bryant, as we know. And, you know, the Redskins are at 2-2, two and two, but they are what they are. It's the, I think the Eagles, what's happening down in Philadelphia and Tony Romo's injury, that has changed everything to where, I mean, if you're a Giants fan and you're listening to us right now and you're thinking about your football team, you have to be excited right now. And Jordan just illustrated it, James. I mean, this is a Giants their next game against the winning team, Joe, would it, would it, look at that schedule. It could be, what, mid-November against the Patriots? It could be the Patriots, which means Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, Saints, Bucks. Um, none of those teams right now, with the way they're either just bad teams or they have injuries, none of them are good football teams right now. Yeah, unless the Cowboys beat the uh, Seahawks or the Patriots, they're, they're not going to have a winning record in, in anytime soon. No, and with this, I mean, the two games at the back end of that, are both on the road, the Saints and the Bucks, but the Bucks are very, you know, young and not a good football team. And the Saints, uh, until this past Sunday when they beat the Cowboys and Brandon Whedon, they hadn't won a home game in about five or six tries. So going to New Orleans, that's not a really daunting task anymore. Well, I, I think it's look if Drew Brees is healthy and the Saints have any semblance of of a, you know being competitive, I think that's a tough game. I think it's a game the Giants can definitely win, but I wouldn't say it's in the same cat like. It's not playing the Patriots. Not yeah, they're, playing not playing, they're not playing the Patriots. It's not but Seattle. Also, but it's also not San Francisco. Um, so, but, I, yeah, I agree with Joe and, and Jordan. You guys, this schedule is so manageable. I mean, the Cowboys are going to have a losing record because they play the Patriots this weekend, and then they're on a bye. So they're going to be 2-3. and three. Um, And you look around the division, I mean, the Cowboys, Patriots, Seahawks, they still have to play the Packers, too, and the Jets, and the Bills. You know, I know the Giants beat the Bills on Sunday, but I still think the Bills are a pretty good football team. So, yeah, the Giants fans should be excited. This is all there for them. It is. And, and now with two straight wins, they've, they've gone out, come out from under what was those first two weeks. And they've really, I mean, they've held double-digit leads in all four 
of the fourth quarters they've had this season. And I don't know how many teams have done that. Maybe some of the undefeated teams, but I'd imagine not many of the teams in the NFL have that distinction. So they're right now 2-2. Two and two. They're moving forward here. Niners coming up. We'll preview that game in a few minutes. But I wanted to ask you guys this, because I remember during the summer, summertime, during training camp, Jordan, we were talking about this team, and one of the questions we had was, what is going to be their identity? What are they going to do well? I mean, we know... We knew about Eli as a, as a consistent presence, but he had been you know, a little up and down as the years had gone on. We didn't know exactly what he was going to be this year. The defense, we didn't know. The offensive, we didn't know. Right now, through four games, are you starting to see an identity with this team, something we could kind of latch on to and say, maybe that is what they're going to do, whether it is stopping the run well, forcing turnovers, Eli and, and to Beckham, whatever it's going to be. Through four games, what do you think their identity is, or do they not have one quite yet? Yeah, I'm not sure they have one yet. They're certainly not a running team. Uh, they're trying to run the ball effectively, but they're certainly not a running team, and they're not a deadly passing team right now either. I mean, they're effective, uh, but they're not great at that either. So I, offensively, I don't see it. Defensively, I think we see what their identity is. This is a, a relentless defense, defense that is going to run around and make plays. They're going to make mistakes, but they're also going to create turnovers, and they're going to stop the run. So I think I see a relentless defense. I see an offense that has potential, but yet still hasn't, I don't know, still has been a little up and down. They don't have, their running game is still a little bit inconsistent. Uh, they're an offense that's based around Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. That, that we know. I'm just not sure at what level that they could be because I don't think they've reached their top level yet. I think they, there's, there's definitely room for this offense to get significantly better. We just haven't gotten there yet. No, we haven't. And you mentioned there the the. They need another weapon right now. That that that, in my opinion, that's the problem. They're 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 lacking another real weapon. Right, they're lacking Victor Cruz, and unfortunately for him and the Giants, he's he had a setback last week, and he's not ready. Um, When in terms of it's Odell Beckham and a bunch of other guys, you know, like okay, they're okay. Right, you know, you never know which one's going to make a play. Nobody that's going to scare you. No, definitely not. Especially you know a guy like Ruben Randall. Once in a while he's there. Once in a while he's not. He's not going to scare. You mentioned forcing turnovers, and you know we've been talking about this past few weeks where the Giants, and, and I think last week it was, we said, you know, can this be something that continues throughout a season, or a turnover is one of those things that, you know, it could be random sometimes, whether or not they happen. But there was the one play where they forced the fumble later in that game. I think it was Amukamura and Landon Collins came flying over to rip the football out. To me, those kind of turnovers... Jordan, you just said it. That's relentless. That is, that's more effort than luck on, on defense forcing turnovers with that one. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're running around. They're making plays. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're ripping the ball out. They're, they're not giving up. You see guys, you know, jumping. They're, there's always, they're rallying around the ball. There's always multiple guys around the ball making tackles. So I, I think that's something that Spagnuolo has preached, and it's worked. The defense has bought in. And, and I, I think that's, that's a positive. You saw it in the opener. The defense produced 17 points. Uh, you saw it in the, even the week two loss. They, they made some plays. They produced points again, essentially, for the offense. So, uh, you know, got to give them credit. The defense is making plays. I'm not sure they're going to be able to consistently make plays uh, all the time throughout, you know, and dominate games because they just don't have that pass rush. It's just a missing component on this team. Look, there's no Von Miller out on the field who's just completely changing the game. You know, like when you watch that Denver defense, their Denver defense is dominant. It's unbelievable. This year. It really is good. Yeah, they're very good. 
And, you know, Von Miller's just a difference maker by himself. He's that good. Like, the Giants don't have that guy. There's nobody there that's that's dominant. I see flashes of, you know, dominant plays from, like, Jonathan Hankins, but everyone else, I mean, they got two good cornerbacks and a bunch of guys that, you know, can make some plays, but they're not by any means a guy that the other team has to go look around the field and say, oh, we need to watch out for this guy. You know what I, I asked, I believe, I forget who it was. It was one of these quarterbacks. It might have been Kirk Cousins. Uh, I said, you know, what when you look at the Giants defense, what guy, you know, do you look around, what, what, which guy do you have to sort of focus on and make sure you know where he is on every play? And he gave you the answer of, oh, you have to uh, – they're, you have to watch for the whole team. They're a unit. You know what that means? There is not that one guy on the on the field, and I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, they don't have that one guy that changes uh, the outlook for offense corners. But I do think at this point here, as we're talking positive, positively about the Giants and where they're going, we should kind of look at two guys that get a lot of heat when things aren't going well. Jerry Reese, the GM, Tom Coughlin, the coach. Let's start with Reese, James. Um, the top two picks to me, as this season has unfolded through a quarter of it, have been, I think, any, everything you could have asked for as a Giant fan, watching Eric Flowers you know, do his thing at left tackle as a rookie and play through pain doing it as well, which I know is uh, one Tom Coughlin over. And then Landon Collins, who I had some questions about in terms of being able to play the full field, you know, in terms of free-range safety, but for what he does, for what Landon Collins is, uh, you could tell he's going to be a good player. looks like Jerry Reese hit those two picks. No, definitely. I, I think, look, you know, with, with Flowers, you know, they're going to be like, you know, like the analytics stuff, the pro football focus stuff, it's going to be negative. But at this point, you know, after the, the way he basically – Not this week. Like, not this week. No, he had a great week this week. Um, you know, he, he's been solid, I think, since the start of training camp. You know, there's obviously going to be growing pains with a rookie at left tackle. Um but he's been good. Numbers-wise, he's going to grade out poorly at times as a pass protector, but he's going to be a, an asset on the flip side just as much as you know, in the run game. You know, and, and Collins has pretty much played like every defensive snap so far this season, but maybe one or two. He's been steady back there. I mean, think about it. We thought that safety was this massive catastrophe with all the injuries and all the inexperience in the summer, and ha- has – there really been any critical breakdown with, with the safeties through four game? Maybe one or two? It, yeah, I mean, Brandon Merriweather has clearly played above expectations. Yes. You know, and, and just to get back to what you said, Joe, I mean, the last couple of drafts have been pretty good. I mean, obviously Beckham, Hankins is playing really well, Kennard's playing really well. Kennard, I mean, Kennard is the one where you really look at that and say, hey, they, they haven't been able to hit in those rounds. That's the one where, they, where it's finally big. They finally have a player from that range. Pugh, Richburg, Bromley's had a good start to the season. He's contributed. Um, you know, Oa just got on the field. We'll see what he can do. You know, Andre Williams is kind of an up and down, but, you know, he had some, he's had some good moments. So they've had a guy, recent draft picks, really helped them get to this point so far. They have. And, you know, Reese gets beat up a lot, has over the past couple of years. So does Tom Coughlin, Jordan. I mean, early in the season – Coughlin and Eli, after the debacle they had against the Cowboys, then again against the Falcons, and off of the last couple of years, it was, you know, it's very easy and very natural for everyone to start wondering, is this finally going to be the end? And it, maybe it still will. I mean, who knows how this season goes. But, you know, Tom, I heard John Beeson it was. I think it was John Beeson who had the quote saying that Tom Coughlin's energy and just the way he goes about his business and how much he loves doing what he does, it kind of inspires them. I mean, 
Tom Coughlin here, I think, deserves credit for once again getting them out of the hole they created. Uh, he's a guy that's been around forever, and I think 0-2 phases him because they've been there a lot over the years. He's steady. I mean, Tom Coughlin's steady and consistent. That's his, that's his M.O. That's how he operates, and it pays off when, you know, and there's so many peaks and valleys in the NFL season that you kind of need that, and he really brings that to the team. I mean, I'm, I, I, the fact that he's 69 years old and everybody still buys in—that's an impressive. That's an impressive quality he has. That he's able to really have the entire team still buy in to what he's selling, and uh, that's not an easy thing to do. And it really helps, you know. Steady the ship when things start going poorly because you know what you throughout an NFL season things are going to go poorly no matter what, how you you know no matter how you shake it out there's going to be times in the NFL season when everything is down and when things go bad the whole week is is hard to get you know to get you're getting peppered by the same questions you're still thinking about how you blew that game so to be able to you know shift that mentality and stay positive uh, Tom Coughlin really focused on harping on the positives, even though they blew that first two games. And it was very clear that that was the, tag, the, the route that he was going to travel in trying to get his team to see that, look, we're doing enough things to win games. We can, we, you know, we're right there. Let's harp on the positives instead of the negatives, and it's worked here in these last two games. Granted, the competition has helped. but Of course, it has. I mean, the Redskins, and then you get 10 days, uh, and then a Bills team who just you know had a million penalties, and... I killed himself in those games. All right, so before we yeah. get to preview, I'm not taking away from anything from the Giants because I, I still thought they were going to lose. But we, I think we, I, I, maybe it was just me, but I think I underestimated how much of an impact it would have if when without LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins. Those are their best two playmakers. The Bills didn't, just didn't look like they had anyone besides Charles Clay on the field that could make a play. They didn't, and especially when the Giants took away the rookie That's running back, player. Carlos Williams, and really shut yeah. him down. Uh, it really limited what they could do. All right, before we preview this Niner game coming up Sunday Night Football at MetLife, um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys was the fourth quarter, uh, the interception by Eli Manning. So now you have four fourth quarters the Giants have had um, kind of hold-your-breath moments for their fans. The first two games, obviously, uh, it didn't work out well. They, lo- they blew big leads. And the Redskins game, I never thought that game was really in doubt, but the Redskins had a big fourth quarter and had a special teams touchdown and all that. And then this game against the Bills, Eli throws the pick with a few minutes to go. It gives the Bills a little bit of life. When Eli threw that pick, James, uh, were you thinking again, "Uh uh-oh, it's the fourth quarter, something bad's going to happen? Or has each of these games, in your opinion, just been uh, wacky on its own, kind of a life of its own, and it's not really a fourth quarter problem? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Giants should have thrown the ball in that spot. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that there was the same sense of, oh, no, here we go again. Because they were up by 14 points. Um, and in a sense, I understand what, what Coughlin is saying. You know, Now, if you're up by 7 or 10, I understand you don't want to kick the field goal because it could get blocked, turn for a touchdown, something like that. But when you're up 14, you, know, you still are going to have to re- – even if – something disastrous happens on a field goal try um, or the ball you know, pops out on a fumble if you run the ball, you, you, there's still a lot that has to go the Bills' way for them to get back in that game. Um, so while I, I don't necessarily agree with the strategy they used, I think this was just a case of 
Tom Coughlin and Ben McAdoo looked at things a little bit unconventionally. Um, I, don't, I don't think this was necessarily a complete what the heck are they doing meltdown that we had in Dallas and Atlanta. And well, Rashad Jennings, Jennings made the play. That's a, you know, they, they, yeah. Their chance of blowing the game was when the Bills all of a sudden scored to make it, was it 16-10? Yes. Right. That was 16-10, they're at third and three. Uh, a little like what at the forty-nine yard line? Yeah, that, they, that was the moment. They get stopped right there, and, and you know, then then it's in their head. I mean, they don't get a stop there, then it's in their head. But right, and Jerry Hughes comes running free at Eli, and he's either going to sack him or, more than that, the guy who was coming up—I forget which Bill defender it was—but whoever hit Jennings first and he broke that tackle, he was well be but well before the first down marker. If he stopped there, they have to punt the ball. Yeah, it would have been a loss of yards. Yeah. Total game changer. Great play by individual effort by Rashad Jennings. Also a great play by Eli. I think they recognized that at the line of scrimmage. You know, they made their calls, and he knew where he was going with the ball right away, and that was clutch, and that was key. So Made a good uh, throw. You know, they, they get the ball out to Rashad Jennings in the flat, and all of a sudden he's able to make a play. He made the play. That was the game-changing play for the Giants, and now they're 2-2. Two and two. Coming home, Sunday night football, the Niners are coming in. You know, a game in years past that would have been, uh, you know, more of a marquee matchup. Uh, right now, the Niners are a mess. Uh, even though they played decently, I thought, defensively against the Packers, their offense in Kaepernick, uh, it's just a disaster right now compared to what it was a couple of years ago. Jordan, your thoughts on this game? I mean, this, this should be, I mean, the Giants will obviously be favored in this game. This should be a Giants victory, uh, I would think, on Sunday night. Yeah, I think they're almost like a touchdown favorite, so... Uh... The Giants, this is a game, if they're going to be for real this year, these are the games that we said, like we said before, that they're going to have to take advantage of and win. Uh, it's at home against the San Francisco 49ers. They haven't been very good at anything this year. Played a decent opener, uh, and they've been pretty horrible since. So uh, They can run the ball, but, hey, that, again, plays right into the Giants' favor. Uh, what are the Giants good at? They can stop the run. So uh, Carlos Hyde's maybe been their you know, one bright point here. And, uh, you know, the Giants have proven that they can stop that run. So uh, I, I, it's hard for me to see right now what the 49ers are good enough at that they could win this game. So we'll, we'll see. The Giants would have to lay a pretty big egg, I think. They would have to. James, your thoughts on the game? I mean, uh, Jordan mentioned an egg there. I think it was last year Eli's worst game of the year was the five-interception game against the Niners. He gets a chance to atone for that. Uh, but it's a different Niners team. Even their defense, which I didn't think was awful against the uh, Packers on Sunday, they just don't have half those playmakers anymore because they all either retired or they left. Yeah, you know, I think not only is this a game that they have to win, I think this is a game the Giants, if they're you know going to be for real, if they're going to be relevant, like they keep on saying, they need to go out there and I think kind of hammer the 49ers a little bit. Um, you know, I, they did play well against the Packers, but... I'd be curious to know if the Packers, you know, coming off a big win over the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, knowing that they've got a tough stretch coming up, I'd be curious if the Packers kind of, you know, coasted their way through that game against the 49ers on the, over the weekend. Um, yeah, I think the Giants, there's no reason they should win, and, and they should win handily. I, I think this, Jordan said the spread's about seven. Yeah, I think the Giants could easily win this game by two scores. They could, and if they do, that would set up a you know a very excited Giants fan base for the next week. Which this is the NFL, though. We know it doesn't work that way, right? No, of course not. It'll probably yeah, be a tie Kaepernick, game. The- Kaepernick will, will suddenly realize that he led a team to within three yards of a, of a world championship on Sunday night, probably. 
You would never know that if you watched that team this year. You would never know that quarterback was that good at one point. Yeah, well, they had a really, really good team around them, and that's a lot of times what it comes around as. You know, Alex Smith almost won a Super Bowl with that team, too. That's how good they were. I mean, they had the number one defense. They were beastly on that side of the ball. They had more playmakers. Their offensive line was really good. They had and they had run. a really good coach, too. Yeah, they also had a good coach. And now they don't really have any of that stuff right now, but they're coming in here Sunday night, the Giants and the Niners. Uh, we will talk next week, and the Giants for the first time this year could be and will be favored to be a winning football team. So, guys, we'll do it again next week. Yeah, it could be 3-2. Three three two. Two. A lot to be excited about for Giants fans. Thank you for listening uh, to Episode 26 of Talk is Cheap. James, thanks for doing this, man. No problem, Joe. My pleasure as always. Thanks, Jordan. We'll see you next time, Joe. All right, and thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. Make sure to follow the show at James Cratch, at Jordan, R-A-A-N-A-N, at Joe Giglio Sports. We'll do it again next week. Subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher, and leave a rating for us. It helps the show grow as we move forward through the season. This has been Episode 26 of Talk is Cheap on NJ.com.